Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Season 2019. And that took me a couple of goes to get right because for some reason I still think we're in 2018, but there is no time like the present. And here we are, 2019, the start of a new season, start of a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Jawad as always. Um, and yeah, looking forward to another year of exciting motorsport action and just action and stuff in general <laughs> um doesn't have to be motorsport related at all but uh yeah it's um it's felt like a really long off season you know i guess given the championship last year the f1 championship was wrapped up in mexico um with two races to spare lewis hamilton winning that one again five championships for him coming in to another season as the defending champ um, it felt like we sort of had an early holiday in a way, even though we still had those two races left to contest. But um, I guess the off-season couldn't come soon enough by then. But then as you sort of get into it, you know, your Christmas and your New Year and all that, you start to have those cravings again for, for racing and all of that stuff. And given that, I guess, everything other everything else sporting wise over the off season um australian summer here cricket you know australia losing to india in the test series they got the consolation wins over sri lanka but you know i guess losing to india was was pretty tough um the big bash league which generally is pretty exciting i guess the length of it this time just caused a few people to burn out and everything so yeah it just felt like a really long off season and um you know things going on and you know I had my best friend also diagnosed with prostate cancer as well and he was in hospital for surgery last week too so even things like that it makes that sort of stuff go a bit longer than it should and you know it's just nice to finally be getting back into that rhythm whether it's um with the f1 stuff writing for supercars, getting ready to do live blogs again, now jumping on back with this podcast and everything as well. You know, it's um, it's slowly starting to holiday mode is over. Let's get back stuck into it. And, you know, as long as the off season was and as unexciting it may have been at times, you know, there was some highlights to take away from it. You know, um, I complain about the Big Bash being too long, but, you know, it was it was the Renegades' maiden premiership. My team, the Melbourne Renegades, we finally did it, you know. If you had asked me back at the start of December or whenever the Big Bash started, um, felt like years ago, I wouldn't have actually put money on them to have won this one, you know. I don't know why, but just wouldn't have. But there you go. I was pleasantly surprised at the end of that one. Great to beat the Crosstown rivals, Melbourne Stars. Um, also had a trip to Bathurst again, the Bathurst 12-hour. Second time I've been now, third time I've been to Bathurst. And apart from the fact that it was an amazing weekend, as you know, Bathurst is, I mean, you can keep your Eiffel Towers or your Statue of Liberty or your Taj Mahal, I think. The Bathurst Mount Panorama race circuit is truly a wonder of this world. Like, I've been to two of those other three that I've mentioned, but for some reason, Bathurst just has this unique aura and mystique about it, which, I don't know, it's just maybe because I'm a race fan and I love my motorsport, that when you stand at the top of Mount Panorama, when you're there where um, the skyline is, or you're looking you're just below the skyline at the S's looking above at the skyline and you see the cars coming over it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and you know being having my camera as well finally to do some proper photography as well I ended up getting some really good photos as well which you know when I look back I sit on my tv and I'm going through those photos on the big screen I'm just like wow you know I'm I'm really proud that I did that myself you know this is almost same level that you would have your pro professional photographers doing it so yeah you know Bathurst again was great and then the result too um we forget about you know almost forget about there's a race going on because the experience is just so great but yeah Porsche 
haven't won the 12 hours since they started competing once it became a, a GT event um, all those years ago and for Porsche it's an important victory because they've pretty much won under uh, they've pretty much won every other major endurance race under the sun in the world whether it be Le Mans you know Spa 24 hours and whatever in America Daytona and all but for Porsche to win at Bathurst you could see how important it meant to the mark and everything and given the intensity of Bathurst as well I mean you know it's not just some happy-go-lucky fun event that they have here in Australia at Mount Panorama it's actually seeing how seriously these manufacturers take it um seeing how seriously these manufacturers take it now you've got big names like bentley aston martin nissan porsche mclaren mercedes um audi as well sorry bmw um just seeing how seriously they take it goes to show you that this is not just some silly little event you know that they do for fun it's quite serious and you know given the way it all started i guess you wouldn't have thought that but now it's you know a, a bucket list event for a lot of those endurance drivers and gt drivers so to see some pretty big names over like um i remember you know when we were lined up doing autographs and whatnot and you know seeing the likes of gary paffett maro angle as well um you had Raphael marcello who you know was on the path to f1 at one point but didn't make it um, Jake Dennis, who was a real standout this year for Aston Martin, you know, he was on pole position and they had that taken away from them for a, a technical infringement. But then, you know, you got your local guys as well. Matt Campbell, of course, who's making leaps and strides in endurance racing for Porsche overseas. But then, you know, your local supercars drivers, Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup, Shane Van Gisbergen, all in the same car this year. Um, it's, yeah, you, you get sort of taken aback by the scale of the event you know and to everyone who hasn't done it and love loves gt racing endurance racing it's it's definitely one to go to and i'd highly recommend it i've already you know booked my accommodation for next year <laughs> already you know so you know we're, we're not even barely into 2019 and i'm already got my bathurst 2020 um accommodation booked so it just goes to show you how how much um I look forward to it and I enjoy the event so and I still got sunburnt that weekend even though I didn't camp um, that was a big thing back in 2017 I ended up getting roasted like a charcoal chicken but um, this time decided not to camp stayed in a uh, in an apartment but still ended up even though I was covered in sunscreen still ended up burning to a crisp so that was very painful and fun um, but yeah, you know, regardless, sunburn aside, it was a it was a fantastic weekend, and yeah, just I can't believe it was more than a month ago already. So that shows you how quickly time's flying, and who knows, twenty twenty will be here very shortly. Um, elsewhere, I guess you know we had MotoGP kick off actually this weekend with the um, Qatar Grand Prix. It was a classic Qatar classic. I saw the replay of the race and was like, wow, you know. Hopefully, this is a sort of a poster for the rest of the season. I mean, it was a, almost a repeat or a carbon copy of the finish of 2018 with Marc Marquez and Andrea De Vizioso, where Dovi just shades Marquez to the line. And, you know, um, I guess when you compare, they, they post on their Twitter or Instagram, one of the two, a side-by-side -side comparison of what the 2018 finish was like and the 2019 one. And they're basically the same so you know if all i wish this year with the moto gp championship because i was disappointed with the way it sort of petered off last year is that i just hope dovi doesn't make those same mistakes just so we can have a, a proper two-way battle to the final race in valencia there's got night they've got 18 more races to go um you know dovi's been quick the last few years and ducati have finally got their act together but just need him to be able to sustain that title challenge all the way to the end because th that's the problem I guess you know the good or the bad part of MotoGP at the moment is that Mark Marquez is so good that you know he even though he still makes mistakes if you make more mistakes than him he'll still win so 
there's no one else that's going to come out and win. It's a matter of you just not making any mistakes at all and make sure you beat Marquez every weekend. So that's going to be one to watch. And it was really exciting seeing some of those new riders as well on the grid um, across the weekend. Fabio Quattararo, of course, it was a bit disappointing to see him stall the bike on the warm-up lap and wasn't able to go off his um, top five qualifying position you know the pace that he actually showed during the race when he got going was really really strong and you can just imagine he would have been bothering for the podium if he was still in that um in that um cluster at the top but then you got the suzuki guys alex rins you know he ended last year very strong and you think that this year potentially he will win races you know if not just a race he will win multiple races you'd hope um i mean they're still down on straight line speeder suzuki but they've come leaps and bounds and you know of all those new manufacturers that have come into the sport recently like your ktms and aprilia suzuki have been those guys that you know you know they've won a race of course with um maverick vinales i think 2016 it was silverstone great race that from memory but um yeah just you know whether they can win races you know that'll be the next step and then of course if they come into championship contention whether that's next year or the year after and john Mir as well um debut race for him he was mixing it in the top five ultimately didn't finish there but he still showed that he has the potential so it was really great to see and just exciting again to to have moto gp back i think i'm like a kid in a candy store at the moment with all these new all the new starts to every single motorsport season i mean i even watched formula e yesterday which nothing against formula e i don't normally watch it but it was on the hong kong e pre or whatever and that was nuts in itself just a bonkers race and um sam bird winning that one eventually um unfortunate for stoffel van dorn who's over in formula e now sadly couldn't hold on to pole position and um even finish on the podium but yeah it was a pretty exciting race but yeah i still got my views on formula e which i'm sure will pop up throughout the year anyway and i guess topping it all off and the i guess what's led into this new season for f1 with the australian grand prix coming up was i forgot that netflix was doing a series for f1 they announced it this time last year saying that they're going to document the 2018 season they're going to be inside a few teams and whatnot in fact eight of the ten teams so ferrari and mercedes of course didn't give access to netflix um given even though that they were the title protagonists they did not give access to netflix to to be part of it i think it would have been fantastic i think people would have loved it if you could have seen inside the camps of the championship contenders as well to see how things were but you know it's not like they weren't present at all in the series i mean you still had sound bites from hamilton the likes of hamilton and sebastian vettel but you know i haven't finished it yet i'm halfway through i'm sort of savoring it because it, it is so good and it just it's a reminder of why i love f1 why i think it's the best sport in the world i mean that's totally my opinion thing it's not you know i believe it's the best sport in the world and if you don't believe me then you're a total idiot no it's not it's why i love f1 and we get this image of f1 as being so sterile and so clinical and it's just you know you talk about certain people being just caught up in their own bubble and everything and that's how you view f1 as well the drivers they've got no personality and that the 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 playing field is so unlevel given that you've got two teams which are in another tier altogether then you've got your midfield which are fighting their own championship in a way yeah f1 still has those problems but the way that this series delved into it is it didn't try to it wasn't a documentary to try and teach people or teach the layman what f1 is all about it just showed you what it is you know like it didn't try hard i think i think it just showed what you know people have been missing about this sport is the the raw passion that drives it you know um yes it's 
probably not safe for work with all the the language that's used and i think that's kind of cool that it wasn't bleeped out or censored out because it's important for i guess to see the passion that these people have whether it's you know Gunter Steiner saying that you know his team looked like a pack of wankers when they lost the fourth and fifth finish in Melbourne last year I mean that was such a a disaster at the time and remember seeing it live and everything you could only imagine how the team felt and to see those images of the team which I guess they couldn't broadcast on TV and hearing Gunter Steiner talk to to Gene Haas about it it really um shows you the level of passion and you know commitment that these guys have and you know it's not just they do it because they're on a bubble sort of thing it's they do it because they want to be the best at what they do and that's the, the sporting part of it and not to mention you know seeing the you know the training regimes of some of the drivers I mean you see Esteban Ocon in there Carlos Sainz Daniel Ricciardo as well and you know for all you Aussie fans out there who um, want to watch it you know there's a lot on Daniel Ricciardo too and you know his relationship with Red Bull and also how the change or the um, decision to move away from Red Bull and to Renault came about too so just seeing these things which you're not normally privy to is quite you know it, it, it you kind of understand then what goes on behind closed doors and I think that was just yeah a real eye-opener you know, even for someone who's been following Formula One for years, not actually being able to see that is, is, and to finally see it does open your eyes a little bit. And I'm sure that people who don't normally follow F1 as well can watch this series. Um, like my friend in hospital, um, he's been, he said he's been watching it and uh, has enjoyed what he's seen so far because he didn't think that F1 was like this, you know, with all the passion and whatnot you know you just think it's what you see at the monaco grand prix which is totally not the case so yeah it's um it, it was really good and whoever's not watched it yet i seriously recommend getting onto it get onto netflix get drive to survive not to mention all the other great content that's on netflix as well and i'm not plugging netflix at all i'm not sponsored or anything like that so don't stress so let's get into the F1 stuff then, you know, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but let's get into pre-season and yeah, you know, testing the car launches and everything came about really quickly and we're already finished the eight days worth of testing where Ferrari ended up being the fastest overall. They came out of the, came out of the garage on day one, they were the fastest, they were also the ones who clocked up the most mileage too and you know everyone was getting all excited that this will be Ferrari's year yeah hate to break it to you but it happens every year doesn't it Mercedes seem to to sandbag a little bit even though they talk about how they've had problems adapting to this new car and Valtteri Bottas saying that there's some changes that need to be made for them to actually be able to be really strong like they were last year but in the end you know we saw Ferrari come out the final day plug in a fastest lap with Sebastian Vettel Lewis Hamilton comes in and sets a lap time which is only three one hundredths of a second slower so you know they're going to be close again this year and those two Vettel and Hamilton you think are going to be the the championship contenders where Bottas and new Ferrari driver Charles Leclerc will sit as well will also come into the equation but you know we won't know until the first race in Melbourne which I'll talk about a bit later um, how those guys will have an impact the real question I guess to take away from testing apart you know outside of the Mercedes Ferrari bubble is you know where Red Bull sit you know we you know, if you saw the Netflix series as well, it really documented that fallout between Red Bull and Renault and, of course, Red Bull's decision to switch to, to Honda for this year. And I've been quite, I don't want to say outspoken. Some people might say I'm outspoken about this, but I've been really vocal about Red Bull's criticisms of Renault in the past few years. I just think, you know, it's not very professional to throw your partner's in this case, the engine manufacturer that has been supplying you for however many years and also have powered you to 
eight championship victories, you know, four drivers titles, four constructors titles before the change of regulations to hybrid engines, um, you don't just throw them under the bus like they have. So that's why this year is going to be a really crucial year for, for Red Bull because they've got to put up um, or shut up, basically. So a lot of it, yeah, will come down to Honda and where they are performance-wise. And I think year on year they have improved. Last year it was good for them to sort of lay low a little bit um, after that fallout between them and McLaren three years that didn't really turn out but this is going to be Honda's fifth year back into the sport since they returned in 2015 so you know it's either time for them to put up as well or realize that maybe this is not right for them yeah it was really difficult given that they came back into the sport and with the restriction on testing and everything, it's hard for them to get up to speed. And especially with Mercedes having started the hybrid era so fast, it's pretty hard to play catch up. And, you know, if, if Honda can be on the same level as Renault this season, you know, that could be a big tick in the box. And we know Red Bull with Renault with the level that they were on last year were still able to win races. So that's, I guess, a, a solid foundation for them to build upon. But also... This is the first time that Honda will have two teams as well on the grid with Toro Rosso, of course, um, also carrying that Honda supply. So that'll be a great benefit to them. And the ties between Red Bull and Toro Rosso are a bit more stronger this year with the entire rear end of that Toro Rosso actually of Red Bull design. So, you know, it's almost like Red Bull have four drivers, Honda have four drivers that are all going to be getting the results for them this year and um you know that exciting lineup at red bull max verstappen of course you know tip to potentially be in championship contention even if if honda and red bull are fast out of the blocks pierre gasly as well the question's going to be around him whether it's too it was too early to promote him to red bull i'm sure there'll be a lot said about this this year depending on how he goes because you know, you don't want him to have the same thing happen that happened to Danny Kvyat a few years ago where he was promoted too early, then he was spat out really quickly as well. And now, I guess, it's his third chance, you know, third opportunity for Red Bull. You know, he's come back to Toro Rosso, you know, perhaps just as a placeholder this year. It just, yeah, it doesn't sit right with me the way that Red Bull is so ruthless with its drivers and stuff. Um, and Alexander Albon as well, a driver that mm, we talked a lot about last year. He's got good raps on him. He wasn't even, he was set to drive Formula E this year for Nissan. And at the last minute, I guess, he was drafted into that Toro Rosso seat alongside Fiat. So, you know, he was dumped by the Red Bull program. And even still, he came last year, finished runner-up in the Formula 2 championship to George Russell, who will also be driving this year for Williams. Um, but still, Albon, not good enough for, for Red Bull until, you know, they couldn't get their man. I think uh, Dan Tickton, they probably wanted in, but he hasn't qualified for that super license yet. So it almost seems like... Toro Rosso has a team of rejects, even though I wouldn't describe Kvyat and Albon in that way. Not at all. They're two really good race drivers. And for Kvyat, I think just he's fast, he's raw, but just needs a bit of refinement. And Red Bull haven't really given him the opportunity to to do that. So hopefully this year he comes in a bit more refined and level-headed. I guess a year with Ferrari as their test and you know development driver would have helped. But, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens as far as that's concerned. Then the midfield, it's it's going to be an unknown, as always. Um, where does Daniel Ricciardo and Renault sit? So that's where the mellow yellow title comes in <laughs> for, for this week is um, Ricciardo at Renault. Like, it was the biggest story last year as far as the silly season was concerned and now we're finally here finally seeing Ricardo in in Renault colors for the first time during testing as well and how it's going to be received by the Australian crowd when he um, turns the wheel first time in practice so you know Renault were solid but as far as pace is concerned where are they 
perhaps they're going to be in that fourth position, fighting for that fourth position again. Not really in that Red Bull territory just yet, but Renault, since they came back into the sport as a manufacturer in 2016, have made those incremental gains every year. So they've just gone up every year. So, you know, they might finish fourth again this year, but they'll probably score more points or even end up with a podium so but they have told us to temper our expectations and not be expecting just because we've got the race winning Daniel Ricciardo on board that it's going to be victory straight away I don't think anyone thinks that but you know at the same time their progress will be something that's going to be looked on quite closely this year and just for Ricciardo as well you know it was a a big move to jump ship from Red Bull and a lot has been said as to whether it's because he's scared of Verstappen or he's running from a fight. I think Ricardo making the move wants to define himself as a driver that is going to be successful not because of the the help that Red Bull have given him but you know he's his own man sort of thing so that'll be great and you know what he turned 30, he turns 30 this year, it's still not that old, he can still win a championship depending on, you know, when Renault can get get back into contention, whether it's next year or the year after, when the rules change again for 2021, so Ricardo still has that potential, he's only two wins away from equaling Mark Webber's record for for wins in F1, so seven wins to his name, all with Red Bull Racing. Mark Webber won nine Grand Prix with Red Bull Racing. So, yeah, if Ricardo can win for a different team, I think that'll be quite solid, but perhaps not this year just yet. I think the real surprise from testing in the midfield was Alfa Romeo, so formerly Sauber, of course, um, doing that rebrand over the off-season, you know, are they quick enough to be back into podium contention like they were in 2012 with um, Sergio Perez and Kamui Kobayashi? They, you know, every second or third race you'd see one of those two on the podium, and it was it was great for for Sauber to do that. And then of course to come from where Sauber were two years ago, for example, who were bringing up the rear of the field and not really. Um, doing much to be in the position they are. Of course, they've got an all-new driver lineup. Kimi Raikkonen coming over from Ferrari. It's big, and he almost seems a bit energised by this move to Alfa Romeo, you know, just a bit more laid back and relaxed than compared to Ferrari. And Antonio Giovinazzi finally getting his proper debut in F1. Of course, he, he raced last year um, or the year before yeah, the year before, sorry, in place of Pascal Verlein, who had that injury. Um, so it's important for him to hit the ground running, and we've seen some good signs from him too. So he's one of the four rookies that will make their debut this year, as well alongside Albon, uh, George Russell, and um, Lando Norris in the McLaren. And, you know, speaking of McLaren, McLaren, like Haas, like Racing Point, are going to have question marks over them going into the first race because we don't really know where they are. Like, they were all, you know, one day they'll be impressive in testing, the next day they weren't so impressive. So in race trim, how are they going to be? You know, McLaren, we know last year started off pretty strongly in the first few races, but then just went downhill all of a sudden. And, you know, their battle with Force India, now Racing Point, was only one because Racing Point um, ended up losing all their... Um, constructors points when they had to change identities in the middle of the year so you know whether they'll be beaten this time by racing point remains to be seen like they didn't bring their they didn't actually have their full 2019 spec car on hand during testing sorry so they're going to debut that this time in Melbourne and we'll see where they are with um, Perez and Lance Stroll of course over at the team now Haas same driver lineup, Magnussen, Grosjean. They were fourth best team at times last year, and in Melbourne they would have had that, you know, status if they didn't make that mistake with the pit stops, which we're, you know, seeing again in that Netflix series was really um, just, yeah, just shattering that that result went begging, and then Grosjean as well throughout the whole 
first half of the year was a bit of a battering ram, just making mistakes. And quite funny, actually, in that series, um, Jonathan Neal, I think, in Barcelona made a bet for in McLe- the McLaren team. Um, you know, he says, oh, you know, bet you that Grosjean will go off at turn two on the first lap. And, you know, seeing him have a little laugh after that happened was quite funny. So all that internal banter that goes on between teams as well, nice to see in that show. But, yeah, where, where those t- three teams sit will be interesting. Where Toro Rosso fits into all that as well, of course, you know, strengthen their ties with Red Bull, Honda, their improvements as well, what's going to happen. And, of course, McLaren with a new driver lineup, Lando Norris there, another rookie, and Carlos Sainz coming over from... Uh, Renault so how those two will fit in as well will be good pretty big and there was news over the offseason that McLaren they're going to get James Key he's going to be starting soon as the technical director and then of course um, you've got Andreas Seidel sorry you've got Andreas Seidel from the world of um, sports car racing Porsche's LMP1 boss coming over to manage be the team manager in a way like a team principal type of thing so allowing Zach Brown to in a way oversee McLaren as a as an entity and then leaving the charge of the team to the overall control of the racing team to Andreas Seidel and he'll still have Gilles de Ferran on hand as well who was appointed last year so yeah it's a, a slow climb back up the order for McLaren um, and results are the only thing that's going to talk I guess and as with the other teams too Racing Point and Haas Williams where do you start with Williams I guess barring a miracle they'll be bringing up the rear this year and that's not going to be great to see this great team do that Um, their pre-season was pretty shocking not being able to actually be there for the first two and a half days and then even the one and a half days that they got to run during the first test it was there was not a lot of laps turned they were quite slow as well a lot of scrutiny around Paddy Lowe who's now taken a a leave of absence from the team you know where does this leave everyone there and you know I guess that all sort of overshadows their exciting driver lineup you know George Russell the reigning F2 championship making the F2 champion making his debut and also Robert Kubitzer making his comeback, his long-awaited comeback to F1 since that injury that he had in 2011, which almost ended his racing career. And to see him on the miraculous road to recovery, um, it's going to be quite sad seeing him bring up the rear, a guy who was perhaps a championship contender, a contender to... to race for Ferrari if you know that injury did not happen so yeah you know it'll be pretty tough seeing him there but for Williams I guess it's more important as a whole for the team that they find a way out of the situation they're in because they're a great team they've won multiple races over multiple decades they've been champions constructors they've had drive multiple drivers champions as well so yeah it's not a great place to see them but we'll just have to see when it comes to the racing and also how they are financially throughout the year they've got a new title sponsor in rocket of course as well um they would have lost a lot with lance stroll or sorry lawrence stroll taking his investment away and going over to racing point but Yeah, they're just going to have to find a way or, sadly, face oblivion, which we don't want to have a great team like Williams do that have been around so long and have been through so much too. The great man, Frank Williams. Um, So let's go straight into previewing Melbourne then, the Australian Grand Prix. Round 1 of 21, new regs as far as the front wings are concerned. So they've been simplified this year in order to aid overtaking. Whether they'll actually allow for more overtaking, you know, as the intention says, will be seen in Australia. But I guess maybe it's best not to, you know, judge it straight away because Melbourne's not really the best track for overtaking as we saw last year. But with these new wings, perhaps maybe a couple more overtakes than we saw last year would be great. But yeah, until we get later, you know, 
to circuits like Bahrain, China, we're not going to really know if um, these wings will work or not. Um, change of tyres as well, so that's actually quite a big change, which we didn't really talk about much, but it's the fact that they've simplified the compounds. So where we had like six different dry tyre compounds last year, this year there's only going to be three represented for the public so we're only going to identify the tires as the hard medium and soft um, the same colors the white the yellow and the red for the soft tire but every race depending on which track they go to the compound will change so that's where you know i guess the c1 to 5 comes in but i guess everyone doesn't have to worry about that you know they're only going to be talking about hard tire soft tire medium tire that's it so I guess it's easier for people watching who don't know too much about the tyres to just understand them as the three different compounds, but they do change from race to race um, depending on which track they go to and the track surface and everything as well. Teams and drivers as well, we've already covered a couple of them. Um, I guess the big ones as far as teams are concerned are the identities, Alfa Romeo taking over from Sauber, Racing Point, instead of Force India, Haas getting a new title sponsor in Rich Energy, black and gold livery for those guys this year, very reminiscent of the the Lotus and whatnot, so that's quite important. Um, drivers, we've already said, you know, Leclerc and the Ferrari, Gasly in, for, uh, Gasly in for Ricardo at Red Bull, Ricardo at Renault, McLaren, new drivers, Lando Norris and um, Carlos Sainz, Toro Rosso, new lineup with Albon and Kvyat, Racing Point, Lance Stroll joins Perez, Williams uh, with George Russell and um, Robert Kubitzer. So yeah, there's been quite a lot of change this year and Alfa Romeo, of course, with Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. So there's been a lot of change this year and I think it's going to be really exciting seeing all these new different lineups you know it's only Mercedes and Haas who maintain the same driver combos from last year but yeah seeing all those new combinations all those new colors are going to be quite exciting and um, can't wait to see them in a couple of days time when they roll out for free practice one so the race here at Albert Park the last two years has been won by Ferrari question is can they make it a third and you know Judging from testing, everyone seems to be picking them as the favourites. Um, yeah, that's great and everything, but, you know, not getting too carried away with it. It's about sustaining that championship challenge all the way to the end of the season. And Sebastian Vettel did make quite a lot of mistakes last year. And that's ultimately what cost them in the end. And Ferrari with their new boss, Matteo Bonotto as well, will be hoping that you know, this can be the year finally, but it all starts, I guess, with trying to build and sustain that challenge. Mercedes, they got the last two pole positions in Oz, so, you know, all that talk about them sandbagging over the last few years in testing can go straight out the window because when it comes to qualifying in Melbourne, they turn up the wick immediately and they're right up there. So, yeah, it's, um, I'm under no illusions. Sorry. I'm under no illusions that Mercedes are going to be off the pace or whatever this year. They're still going to be strong. Maybe their car is not as balanced as they'd like it to be. But, you know, they the way that they developed last year's car, the W09, was quite impeccable. It happened really quickly and, you know, all the deficiencies we thought they had, they had ironed out by Barcelona. Barcelona onwards, they were you know, neck and neck with Ferrari, and then eventually after the mid-season, Ferrari went down the wrong path, as they said, as far as development is concerned, and Mercedes continued to develop the right way, so that's all it takes, really. And I guess in the Mercedes camp, it will be a crunch here for Valtteri Bottas, you know, this time last year for the Australian Grand Prix, he crashed out in qualifying, um, not a really good start for him, he had multiple opportunities to win races, and I guess for whatever reason, whether it was of his doing or not, he just ended up missing out. So I guess wins will be needed this year for him to perhaps even for his confidence, first of all, but also to keep a seat with Mercedes because we know Esteban Ocon is on the sidelines this year and he will want that seat at Mercedes, I guess. You know, he will be looking from the sideline, not being able to race. Toto Wolff has made it 
common knowledge that he wants Ocon in one of his seats next year. So who's the who's the odd one out? It seems. I mean, unless Lewis Hamilton decides to retire or to switch teams, it'll be Bottas who will be the one who will be shown the door if he doesn't perform. So. Yeah, and there's a bold prediction from a few people going around this year that we may even see Ocon in the Mercedes as early as this year. Perhaps Bottas will miss a race or something or be um, given the Danny Kvyat treatment and dumped halfway through the season or something. So, yeah, that's going to be one to follow this year, definitely. Um, What to expect from Leclerc in his first race too. So, you know, you can either say he's going to win, he's going to be on the podium or just get a solid top five result. We'll be pretty satisfied with that. And all that talk about him and whether he's going to be the number two driver at Ferrari, um, you know, that's all just, you know, we've got to wait and see until the season starts. You know, I'm sure Ferrari will be fair with him. If he's outperforming Vettel, then of course he's going to, if he's got more points than Vettel, then of course they've got to put the eggs into his basket. And we've said this all along that perhaps Leclerc being there, young buck is going to actually give Vettel the push he needs to turn it up I guess being a bit complacent with Kimi there um, not having that pressure on him I guess having that young challenger there is going to be good for him but it's really exciting I mean first time in ages that we've had Ferrari take on a young driver as well it's only a driver in his second season in the sport too so yeah you know it'll be great to see what that yields for this year and starting here in Australia if he can get a solid result if he's on the podium whoa yeah here we go here we go we'll see what happens and as already talked about before Daniel Ricciardo's debut with Renault as well is going to have extra spotlight given that it's his home race we've got to temper those expectations don't be expecting a podium unless there's some crazy freak of nature event that happens I mean I've checked the forecast it's going to be dry it's actually going to be really nice on Sunday for the race 29 degrees so don't expect any uh, rain to to make Renault's day but you know what if they do have the pace on hand to be on the podium so we just got to have to to let this one play out but I'm sure with a driver like Dan there who is really good at overtaking really maximizing a package that isn't the best you know as we've seen with Red Bull for the last few years I'm sure he'll get some results out of that car that you know perhaps Nico Hulkenberg or Carlos Sainz weren't able to do in previous years at that team and um, you got to say too that the Australian Grand Prix won't really give a good representation of the mid of the midfield, given that it's such a unique track. I think you know that'll come when we go to places like Bahrain, China, which are a bit more representative of your testing venues like Barcelona. So you know this could be an a, an opportunity to get some good one-off results, but at the same time, for confidence as well and for you know trying out new bits, they're going to have to to get good results. So we'll see how they go there, but. Other than that, yeah, you know, it's just that time of year where we're just excited about Formula One and the Australian Grand Prix. And I know it's easy to get a bit, easy to get a bit disillusioned with it, you know, when it goes on and you get the same result. But you know what? You, it's the reason you love the sport. You know, I think. Yeah, I get upset and frustrated sometimes with the monotony of it if Mercedes go on a on a winning fest domination whatever I still love the sport no matter what and you know if someone else can win the championship this year that'll be great for in a sporting sense but if Mercedes end up doing it again it just it's a testament to their to how good a team they are and I think this is where you got to start talking about Mercedes being probably you know, one of the best sporting teams in the world, you know, um, in any competition, any dynasty, you look at the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan there in the NBA, even the Golden State Warriors recently, um, who've won, you know, four titles, I think it is now, New England Patriots, they won another Super Bowl um, over earlier in the year, so yeah, it's, it's all about creating that dynasty and, you know, those results that people... The public may not like because you're winning all the time, but it's it's the achievement not only from the drivers but from the entire team which which counts. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
and um, we're going to talk more F1 anyway next week after the Australian Grand Prix. We'll review the race and all. So let's wrap things up this week. Quickly talk about supercars because they're on the card again um, with the Melbourne 400 at the Grand Prix. Points playing for points again. And, you know, the Ford Mustang was the big question coming into the season, how it'll go. And it dominated that opening weekend in Adelaide. Scotty McLaughlin, the reigning series champion not going to run the number one on his door he'd rather have the number iconic number 17 for dick johnson which is quite a good touch 17 is a pretty cool number so I'll, I'll give it i'll give him that um winning both races over the weekend so perfect start to the season for them triple eight of course miffed about the parody the unfair advantage that's uh, roland dane's words i guess in regards to that but you know i guess people are quick to forget 12 months ago there was a questions being asked of the Holden teams and the debut of the ZB Commodore and whether it was legal as far as you know having those composite panels on the car concerned so I guess it's just that that seesaw effect and that constant battle between supercars teams as to parity and you know every time a new car comes into it who's on par with each other like they did all the parity testing between the mustang and the commodore at the end of last year the straight line tests and all and everything checked out so i guess for dgr team penske and the ford teams with the mustang they just had the cars dialed in better than than triple eight i guess triple eight also a little disadvantaged as far as you know the switch to the single springs are concerned we've been running the twin spring setup for the last few years and they seem to have maximized it a lot more than other teams so perhaps that's also a thing that's disadvantaged them a little bit but you know what albert park's a different layout to adelaide it's more fast and flowing but i guess that won't be music to triple eight and holden's ears because typically the ford's been the better car around those circuits and we saw that at Phillip Island testing and Albert Park and Phillip Island share a few similarities so for Ford and the Mustang to dominate Adelaide you know a street circuit which Ford doesn't typically do well at or they didn't with the the old Falcon you know it's pretty ominous that you know they could be strong everywhere now so we'll see what happens but you know this event last year the 2018 one when the first time they were being paid points for the races there was four winner, four winners from four different races including that awesome win from scott pie in that saturday race which almost was like a quasi night race given the the weather conditions and whatnot so you know if we could have something like that again this weekend that would be great four different winners um three of them being holden manuf- holden teams and of course scott mclaughlin in the ford falcon last year first race also this weekend to see all three of the walkinshaw and ready united bosses in the same race meeting together so last year of course we didn't have i think michael andretti wasn't um present because of a clash with indycar maybe but we'll have andretti we'll have ryan walkinshaw and of course zach brown who will be with mclaren um looking after mclaren again this year all together so both Pi and James Courtney will have to put on a good performance and looking back to Adelaide last time out you know mistakes from the Tickford camp and also Fabian Coulthard um, in the shell car cost them good results you know um, I guess Tickford can take away the podium that Cam Waters got in the second race but you know they could have easily been they could have easily had two cars up there Um, Lee Holdsworth in his first weekend for that team made mistake you know he was running in the top 10 all weekend Chaz Mostert both races unfortunately just didn't go his way that second race particularly with that pit lane pile up with uh, Rick Kelly was just a disaster so it's a big year for Chaz Mostert as I've written in a few columns already Uh, not that he's under pressure himself it's more so the team you know he's not had the best car over the last few years and he's a driver who could you know could have easily i say in hindsight if he had not had that injury in 2015 could have actually won the championship that year that's how quick he was by the time we got to bathurst and then sadly he had that accident in qualifying which uh knocked him out for the rest of the year and then ever since he came back in the following year you know tickford 
or whatever they were back then, ProDrive, FPR, just didn't have the same pace that they did in that 2015 season. So I'm sure Moster will be hot property for 2020, given that he's off contract with Tickford and the talk that potentially, you know, going back to DJR, you know, linking up with Scott McLaughlin could be a dream team. Even talk about him perhaps even going abroad you know he's a popular guy with BMW at the moment and their GT programs could he potentially be a full-time factory driver from BM- for BMW in the GT world so you know great to see him in BMW colors at Bathurst of course at the 12 hour and also he teamed up with Alex Zanardi the great Alex Zanardi at the um, 24 hours of Daytona race where he was actually driving the M8 um, GTLM car, so the the modified endurance version of the M8 BMW road car, so yeah, you know, there's there's a lot on the horizon for Mostert, and as much as I love, you know, him in supercars and his presence in supercars, if he's got the better opportunity to go overseas and race, you know, he needs to, he should take it, you know, it's a, it'll be a loss to the category for sure for supercars, but to be able to race overseas and for a big name manufacturer like BMW, who could potentially, you know, could potentially lead him to those big drives, whether it's Le Mans or, you know, Spa 24 hours, stuff like that, you know, he should be all over it. So, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens this year. I'd love to see Mostert win some races this year in that Mustang. They only won a race last year at um, at the Gold Coast, he and James Moffat together in the Enduros. So, yeah, it'll be nice to see him win a few more races this year than they did last year. And it was the only win for Tickford, too, in 2018. So, dismal year for those guys, of course. But... Um, I think that about wraps it up then for this uh, first edition for 2019. A lot, you know, to happen this weekend at the Australian Grand Prix coming up. I'll we'll have supercars and the F1 to wrap up as well. And, you know, we've got the, the Sebring race as well for IMSA and for WEC. And that's where Fernando Alonso's at this weekend. So we'll see... Oh, sorry, next weekend. So we'll see how he fares as well. So thanks um, thanks for tuning in. It's um, going to be a good year this year, I hope. And um, I'm going to have all the podcasts for you. Um, a few different people um, are coming on as well, which will be exciting. I'll talk more about that later. Um, you know, we're not just going to be talking about motorsport. There's a, a lot, you know, that we want to talk about um, with some new people and whatnot. So, yeah, we really look forward to it. So thanks for tuning in and um, we'll see you after the Australian Grand Prix.